0: (sighs) So,
1: I hope you've all uh, finished doing your taxes. Speaking of inventory, isn't that an inventory? That's that's a real inventory. That's searching and fearful. Um, so I, I don't have a a single thing. I don't have only one thing to talk about tonight. So I'm not sure uh, um, where where it will go tonight. But uh, I'll start with um, two two things. See if they weave together, or if one of them takes me away, or who knows. So I was, uh, th- this is just, you know, as I was thinking about step four today, so those who don't have the steps memorized, step four says we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Uh, traditionally, in the 12-step world, that usually involves writing down something, and there's various ways to do that with columns and all that. And uh, I did it as a chronological uh, story of everybody, everybody that I could remember hurting, um, and so that that inventory is largely about behavior. I think. I mean, I think that's the, kind of the thrust of it. Uh, obviously, it doesn't end there, but but uh, you know, I was kind of thinking about how you know, whereas a Buddhist inventory or a mindfulness inventory is much more about our inner life and of course I think I think that a 12 step inventory has to arrive at that at some point at the inner life And as you were talking about the resentments eventually you get to that the fears the resentments but uh, we kind of start at least you know the way I approached inventory was more more about behavior and and so you know that it's just sort of kind, of kind of came up for me today as, as a, kind of a, a way of looking at these two uh, approaches. And, um, you know, where the, the Dhammapada, the great ancient Buddhist text, starts, uh, it's been translated many times, but one of the translations, the beginning of it says, uh, mind is the forerunner of all things. Uh, meaning that before we do anything, we have the thought or the intention to do it. Uh, Before there was this building, somebody thought of this building. Uh, And so in Buddhism, this is one of the reasons why we spend a lot of time looking at our minds, because we figure that our minds are where everything starts it's kind of the the uh, origination of karma starts in the mind and then it, it there we could, essentially three forms of karma the, car, the karma that comes from thought and then the karma that comes from speech and the karma that comes from action or deeds <coughs> so those we can actually call those all three forms of action thought word and deed in any case this you know this practice and this uh, uh, way of of um, looking at ourselves kind of starts with this inner looking, whereas the twelve step in the twelve step world we start with mainly with a behavior. You know, I'm am a drunk. I'm an addict. I'm a, you know I I binge. I you know I gamble. Whatever it is, it's a it's an outward thing, right? And there's a uh, a 12-step phrase, which I might get it wrong. So if I sound like George W. Bush, forgive me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But I'm counting on the the power of the crowd to straighten me out. Mm. But it's something like uh, right action, right thought, comes from, see, I can't even get started, but, but we have to take the right action to change our thinking, right? How, does anybody remember how? I I, think ourselves into I, right Oh, I knew you would know, Larry. So Say it we again. Act ourselves into right thinking. Right, we act ourselves into right thinking. Right? We can't
2: think ourselves
1: into right action. Right, which is a perfect contradiction <laughs> of the Buddhist teachings, right? So, um, so my job, I feel, is to reconcile (laughs) these things. (laughs) So let's see if we can. What I think is that it's a two-way street. Our actions do affect our thinking and the idea of acting as if has, has an effect on how we think and feel. And as we change our attitude, our inner attitude, our behavior becomes different. They support each other, either in a positive or negative way. Um, What I would, the argument I would make in terms of uh, claiming that the Buddha was more accurate than whoever made up that expression is that um, when we take actions, there is an intention behind them. So even though there might not be a, we might not have thought our way into that action, there is nonetheless an impulse before. There had to have been the intention before it. So i uh, that's about it for that topic. I, don't, I just. Don't. <laughs> oh. Well, that's assuming you're sober. Oh yeah, I always yeah. assume that. No, okay, yeah.
3: it's, it's the other way around
1: when you're not. You mean?
3: There's, there is no, there's no clear intention before an action when you're not sober.
1: Right. But there's always intention. It's just that we, it might not be clear. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's not always clear even when we are sober. So. Exactly. Yeah
3: a contradiction because if yeah. your intention is I'm going to fake it and try and act in a responsible way yeah. or in a kinder way or in a soberer way and whatever, mm-hmm. it's actually the same thing. It's I think it's a little different if you've you know, really worked on things and meditated and you really come from a place of enlightened whatever. Yeah. But... <laughs> even just the intention to act in a different way i see is not a
1: contradiction right well I, i'm just thinking of some of the things that i did early in recovery that i did get changed i changed by doing them and i didn't i didn't realize i think a lot of this is about you know not realizing what the results are going to be so when for instance you know, once I'd worked through my inventory and amends, and my sponsor said, you know, you need to start to uh, do more service in the program, I thought I was just doing that because it was a step or it was a rule or whatever. And then there were all these things that came about through it, inner and outer transformation. My relationships changed with the, at the meetings because everybody sort of knew me now because I was actually like... Oh, Kevin is in charge of this. Like, okay, they're looking at you know, but people knew who I was, and then I started to feel, huh, this feels kind of good. I'm help. I'm part of this. I'm helping people out. It was, and it it did it changed the action, taking the action without really knowing what the result was going to be. Kind of brought about a whole other change and and so yeah it's not it's not sort of an absolute thing oh you you know there wasn't any thought behind but I guess this is uh sort of the third step to me too which is that we just kind of try to do the right thing you know it's that that element of faith
2: yeah I think I think also as addicts and alcoholics I think uh, you know mentally we're so programmed living that way that it's a lot easier in the beginning to to physically like like uh for instance you know when i first started working again you know i was a liar a thief i mean I, I was a big time thief and i remember working at this place and uh constantly thinking about all the ways that i could rip this place off, uh-huh. but, uh, right. but you know what I mean? It, Don't it's, you, you know, still I'm do away. that? But the action wasn't, you know, I wasn't back in it with right. the action. It was a lot easier, yeah. you know, to not act that out, but, but mentally, you know, I mean, that's, that's the way I thought. I mean, I was, yeah. it was, I was you know, it was like a, a, a program in a computer. It yeah. was all set on that, so I think definitely in early recovery, it's a lot easier just to not, you know, do the action. The, 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 the mental kind of right. uh, eventually kind of follows, but, right. you know, but I, I think it just... It's one of those things that it, it, it's just easier for us addicts not to, you know, not to do the action at yeah. first, and then then we're not thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and
1: it's kind of the clarity that you were talking about that that we we don't really we're not that great at making decisions at that point. It's just like do this, do this, do this, and you know this actually, you know, another corollary to this with Buddhism is what did the what did the Buddha teach people, particularly lay people first he didn't teach them to meditate first, he taught them to practice generosity and that might have just been so that they would feed the monks, I'm not sure but anyway (laughs) (laughs) but and and he taught the five precepts right, he taught them morality he taught them to live properly because if you sit down to meditate when you've been out Murdering and pillaging all day—it it, just—it's hard to relax, you know. It's just all that stuff comes up, you know. So, so there is that corollary in Buddhism that that of course right action is is vital, and and I think it's it's a place that has been that sometimes gets underemphasized in western buddhism because we want the the really good stuff you know i want the kalachakra initiation whatever that is it's like one of those tibetan things right uh, i want you know i'm going to go to you know be with the highest guru and get the biggest dealy thing and meanwhile you know i'm not really taking care of business on the you know the, at home yeah. Uh, it's amazing to, to me, sobriety is a sacred state, transcendent of you know alcohol and drugs. It's something else. You know, I, I, I' say something like this in, in one breath at a time, so you go look that up. but um, it's not you know, getting sober isn't just removing drugs and alcohol from your life, right? Not at all. I mean, it's, it's a whole... Because, you know, if that's all it was, who would want it, you know? And that was the one thing that was fun, you know, or something like that. <laughs> or appeared fun, at least. Uh, but, it, but recovery is something else, you know? It's, it's a whole other world. I mean, the, the, the way I got to this point in that book was quoting Ajahn Amaro saying, monastic life is not just lay life without lunch, you know, or without <laughs> di- dinner. They don't eat dinner, you know, without dinner, without sex, without TV, you know, and without having your own car, I mean, or a bank account. You know, it's not, oh, it's just, you know, your life, but take away all that stuff. And you're just like, well, now what? <laughs> it's something completely different. You're stepping into something completely different that's sacred and, and has a. Uh, it's it's not really um, explainable. It's like the you know the woman in my home group in in Venice Beach where I got sober, who told the story of meeting the this young woman who had come to, came to a meeting and was like, I'm just not sure if I'm an alcoholic. And my friend said to her, "Oh, be one, it's fun." You know,
0: <laughs> you know,
1: it's like that you know <laughs> uh, I'm not sure what that has to do with the step four. But <laughs> it doesn't matter so and, th- and thank you for continuing to just ask questions and say stuff. Oh, that t- uh, Paul, alcoholic. Mm. Um. Hi, Paul. Uh. Welcome. <laughs> Keep coming back. It works.
2: I find that practice uh, sitting, I'm given an opportunity to be with myself as uncomfortable as that might be at times and as neat as that might be at times. Mm-hmm. But uh, kind of in the same the same lines as a, a fourth step uh, inventory, it's up to me to discern honestly mm-hmm. what I'm up to on the inside mm-hmm. when I'm sitting. Yeah. You know, if it makes me feel uncomfortable, I've got to be with that. So you know, I've got to write that down, so to speak. <laughs> uh, if it's a, uh, if it's positive, I Note that as well. Um, so it's not always fun. Sitting's not always fun. No. Uh, but a shitty day of sitting is a lot better than a good day drunk
1: uh-huh. Okay, we'll quote For you me. on that, yeah
2: <laughs>
1: well, and you know, and what you're saying, I think uh, also is that is that. It's. Imp- I think it's important as part of our practice to be rigorously honest about what it is that we see in our own mind. You know, um, because it's quite possible to meditate. There's quotes around that for people who are listening on the internet. Um, to meditate... Uh, and stay in denial about what's going on in your mind. You know, you just kind of come back with the breath, you float along. You know, you kind of don't really recognize clearly what's arising. Um, You know, one of the um, factors of enlightenment, and actually in step four in, in this new book, I talk about the factors of enlightenment as kind of a a way of inventory, looking at a meditative inventory. One of the facts of enlightenment is the investigation and to to see clearly what's going on rather than sitting down just to release stress or get relaxed or have some quiet time, which are all valuable things. But at some point, we need to also engage clearly. Oh, wow. And we start to see our habit patterns. I mean, you know, remember one... One comment by a woman up in Portland, Oregon at a, a day-long retreat I was teaching. It was very simple. We we sat, it was a Saturday morning, we sat for a half an hour or so, and afterwards she said, I never realized how much I think about work. You know, and it was just like, yes, that's a good thing to notice. <laughs> you know, just to sort of use your practice to notice the things that you obsess about and see if you can... Can I let go of that moment by moment? And, and, be, and, and we see what our habit patterns are. And I think that uh, the, the next thing that goes with that for me is recognizing that whatever is going on in there, it's just a human doing what a human does. And so I don't have to beat myself up for thinking about work or thinking about sex or thinking about golf, you know, whatever it is. It's just that's what the humans do is we we think. We're like thinking machines, you know. And and, and uh, so, yeah, it's great if we can let go of it, but let me not add on to that by, by making it, you know, let me not ignore it, but let me also not, like, beat myself up for it. Can I just be open and accepting and maybe... Uh, really, a lot of times, I think, bring forgiveness and compassion. Forgiveness if my mind is really kind of polluted, and compassion for the suffering that having a polluted mind causes me. You know, just, wow, it's hard to be human. And and maybe even some appreciation for the fact that I'm actually trying here. Most people never even look at their own minds. They don't even know that you can look at your own mind, you know. Uh... So uh, yeah, it's kind of navigating this whole process. Um, well, so for the other thing that I thought I would actually talk a little bit about is the inventory of the human race. And that's because of this, because of what we're doing to the earth to recognize that... Uh, greed hatred and delusion the three poisons the buddha talks about are the cause of environmental destruction environmental crisis there is the greed of exploiting resources and exploiting people um, and uh, and the delusion that th- it's that resources are limitless uh, it's, uh, it's a, what a yeah, well there was an interesting piece in the New York Times the other day about uh, how I think it was sort of about how to talk about the environmental crisis and not to create alienation and it was saying that when people focus on um, on uh, Sort of disasters that have environmental, environmental disasters or climate, you know, big events in the climate that seem to be caused by, um, you know, by human behavior. That when they focus on those, the crises, that um, the people who are that kind of it creates a left-right split kind of the right wing kind of pushes back and the left wing gets really angry and and you just wind up with this argument and conflict but that when you look instead uh, for solutions and more kind of when you're talking more about positive aspects what what can we do how can we make things better you know then you have a lot more um Success in terms of bringing people together. I don't know if any of you saw the the documentary about Pete Seeger that was on PBS a few months ago. It was around the time when he passed away, and and uh, you know, I mean, Pete Seeger was you know sort of a transformative person in, in a lot of ways. I mean, he actually was the first person who played "We Shall Overcome" for Martin Luther King. You know, which like well, that's pretty. That's a pretty good feather in your cap. And uh, he was sort of, uh, you know, he was really associated with the civil rights movement and then with anti-war in the 60s. But in the 70s, he got very local. He was living in the Hudson River, and the Hudson River was completely polluted. You couldn't swim in it, you couldn't drink it. And he had a sailboat, and he, and he set up this sailboat that was, and, and started this movement to clean up the river. And it was hugely successful. (laughs) And and so in this documentary, they had George Pataki, the former Republican governor of New York, with Pete Seeger at an event with him and talking about how grateful he was for what Pete Seeger did and how Pete Seeger had, like, helped him to, like, see... You know, not by shouting and, and... Protesting, but by kind of you know bringing attention to it and looking for a positive solution, and it was really a beautiful expression. I think of this idea that uh, you know we there are ways to resolve these and not resolve might not be the but to but to find solutions uh, without creating alienation, um, and and I think that clearly this is what. You know a Buddhist approach needs to be one of the things that the Buddha you could get kicked out of the the monastic uh, order if you created a schism in the order you know and I think of that as a a real kind of message about how we how we live that that when we create conflict we're really going against Buddhist teachings and is there a way to to Create something positive. I mean, it's so interesting to me, especially when there is some crisis, whether it's uh, you know whether it's uh, climate or even like some uh, you know like a car accident like this terrible one up on I five that humans pull together. We all pull together to to take care of these things. You know, people are sent. will be sending you know blankets to. A, you know, somewhere where there's been a hurricane or something, and and yet we put all this investment into stuff that, you know, creates schism, right? Uh, What I'm getting at is that it's hard enough, and it's going to be harder even, for all the humans on this planet to just get by if we work together. You know, and put all our resources into surviving and taking care of ourselves and each other. But when we devote vast resources towards you know, destruction and war and, or simply greed, you know, greed, hatred, and delusion, right? Then we really make it tough on ourselves, You know, I think that as most of us go through our day, the people we encounter and the people that we are are what we would generally call good people. That is, most people in the world are not going out trying to create conflict. Most people actually really care about each other and try to you know, take care of people. Somehow, you know, these kind of deep-rooted, uh, kind of, I mean, somewhat kind of tribal impulses that become national impulses, uh, create these conflicts that really have so little to do with people's <coughs> lives or what anybody actually wants in their life. You know, it's quite, I, you know, the the when we think about change and how we how we want to change the world you know there's the sort of the the two approaches of, of I'm gonna change a system so that every the, every the individual's lives will be better because they live in a better system or individuals will change themselves and then the world will change just because everybody all the individuals change um, and you know, I think it's kind of like do we work on the thoughts or do we work on the actions? You know, it's like, we, yeah, we work on both. right? I mean, the system, our, our systems have to change. I think l- less about our political systems, more about our economic systems have to change. But also, humans have to change. You know, uh, people have to make sacrifices. I don't know what that, exactly means you know we are the most privileged among the most privileged people in the world and uh, I'm guessing that most of the people in this room don't feel that they have everything that they want and need (laughs) or that they uh, you know really want to give up some of their stuff and or that they're even confident that they're going to be okay as they're aging and, you know, that they're going to have enough, you know? And if you're paying your taxes right now, you're probably thinking a little bit about that. I know I was looking at my retirement account, you know, how much can I afford to put in that? And yet, we are the most privileged people in the world. (laughs) And it it, it may be that we're going to have to become a little more insecure, If we want uh, people who really are, have nothing uh, to be okay, I don't know how, how does that work. It's never worked for you know countries to just give a lot of money to other to poor countries. You know, that's been tried, and you know, it's yeah, it's a good. It sounds good, but it usually doesn't really work. So um, we're faced with these. Um, You know, I mean, they are really typical problems that humans have faced throughout history. The only problem, of course, is that now we're not just talking about a little empire in the Mediterranean that might, you know, collapse or something going on in China that might collapse. We're talking about the entire world that's, together now, we're not separate, you know, we can't, uh, if, if uh, you know, we, c- we could all go down together. You know? uh, but it, it's really clear, I think, if we look at the potential, that that's completely unnecessary. So this is the inventory, <laughs> right, well, of our greed, hatred, and delusion, of, of our uh, you know what? What are we? You know, are we? you know going to continue to kind of follow this uh, addiction, basically, right? I guess it's a form of addiction. So,
2: yeah.
0: I was going to say, um, maybe think, maybe sort of connecting the personal to the global. Um, maybe part of the key to how we approach the environmental thing is not being attached to what our idea of the outcome is. Um, yeah. When I started my recovery, I was great mood, serene, I wasn't reading any politics. And when I did, yeah. you know, my blood started boiling, upset, and I actually, I found some answers from, uh, I was listening to some Ram Dass stuff, and he was mm-hmm. talking about social action mm-hmm. and how we create our opposites through yeah. like, being attached to these roles, to yeah. create conservatives, vice versa. And, um, and the, he, he was saying that the key is non-attachment, that we can work towards these goals, and if we let go of being attached to the outcome of what our idea of what the outcome is going to be, we might not be karmically,
1: you know, creating this opposing force. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, it's hard. It's hard to find models for, like, uh, uh, historical models for resolutions of huge conflicts. But th- there are a few. One which comes to the mind is is what uh, w- we did after the Second World War as opposed to after the First World War. It's kind of a perfect example of uh, w- the First World War, is so we're going to punish the Germans for what they did, and the Second World War is so we need to rebuild the world. And, and, and you know, what happened to Germany and Japan since the Second World War is a great example. I, I'm sure there's, you know, flaws and all that. But that's, and, and the other one that comes to mind is what happened to South Africa after apartheid. The, I think of the Truth and Reconciliation, uh, which you know what a, talk about heroic. I mean, you know, for people to be uh, treated in, as as the black Africans were for generations to to be able to. Come out of that with the with the intention to heal rather than to um, punish. Just heroic, and but you know it really points to you know just just as Gandhi and Martin Luther King points to the power of love and how how we if we can um, yeah approach things with that intention. we can get different results on a completely, you know, and this might be getting too political in a way, but uh, just reading about some of the things that have brought about the uh, crisis in Ukraine right now, that some of the people I've read who seem to have a a good perspective on this, uh, you know, talking about how when the Cold War ended the West, you know, went in and tried to kind of absorb all these countries, Poland, Hungary, and into NATO, and of course, Russia was going to get nervous about that, you know, I mean, you know, pay attention to history, you know, uh, and, and to, th- to think that uh, there wasn't going to be a backlash on that is very typical of like,
2: oh, you know, Greece.
1: why not just go, Oh, that's great! You let go of that, you know, the Soviet Union, those countries. Cool. We'll let you, you know, understanding that there was they were gonna have feel this need to still have sort of some relationship, and not feel like oh now, you know, the West is like right up on our border, and you know, it's just such a natural impulse. As much as I, you know, find uh, you know Putin to be an unpleasant character. Uh, it's not surprising. I mean, you know, we we just sometimes, again, I mean, I'll just say it again, greed, hatred, and delusion. You know, there was greed to, you know, have more power, more control, and there was delusion about cause and effect. You've got to be able to think through cause and effect, not think, oh, I just want this, I get this, and then I'll have more power, I'll be in control. It's not how things work, right? There's going to be, so... uh, I don't you know I am I'm, I'm sorry if you came here thinking I was going to like talk about Buddhism and recovery tonight. <laughs> and
2: you're hearing about Putin.
1: But um you know this is our, this is our world and it's not uh it's not divorced from our practice. Um, and and to me you just as you know said the, the kind of um you know the problem with 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 uh You know, the anti-war movement was that, it was anti, you know, it was, there was, it was people like, you know, uh, trying to, expressing their anger, you know, it's like, hey, the other thing from the Dhammapada, hatred can never be healed by hatred, by love alone can hatred be healed. Uh, So hard. I mean, that's the high road, right? How can we how can we be there? So I'm not sure how that all fits with uh Earth Day. But I, you know, I mean that's where we come from, the Earth, you know. Yeah. Uh,
0: thank you very much for that share. That share. Yeah. Well, sure. was kind of a share, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I could toot my own horn right now, but I won't. But uh, you, you opened up your 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 this segment with talking about the human race, yeah. and um, I'm the editor of a number of publications on this topic and a you know, facilitator as well. But the, the, it's 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 the um, you said greed, anger, and stupidity.
1: Greed, I mean, hatred, anger. and delusion. Yeah, yes. From,
3: the delusion is uh, among the human species, and we can start right here in our little bubble, um, mm. thinking that we are better, superior, entitled, deserve more. <coughs> that's actually where the the practice could begin mm-hmm. yep. in creating more uh, equanimity yep. among the human race. Yeah. So that's, that's yeah. my share.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, we have a lot of power, and uh, with great power comes great responsibility.
3: But thinking that we're a superior species right. is the
1: illusion. Right. Uh, right. It, that, that's I, I mean. I, no, I, I, I kind of, I got that. I, I, I hear you. Thank you. Yes.
0: For me, uncovering those aspects of myself, hatred, greed, and uh, delusion became more possible by going to meetings and meeting people who had different perspectives Mm -hmm. and reference points. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's kind of the beauty of exposure by going to meetings and having community gatherings that... That somehow the the solution will be organic, the more people are able to uncover this just by exposure, more exposure and less, you know, isolating and and niche uh, creating.
1: Yeah, that's nice you brought that up because when I think about meetings, and they talk about this in the AA Big Book about how People with completely different backgrounds and viewpoints can come together, and because they have a common problem, <laughs> which you know, we there is this common problem on Earth now, that they're able to solve it by putting aside, you know, we, uh, the you know we'd say we have you know we're not affiliated with any sect, denomination, organization, you know, whether we're not involved in politics, we're not the, all of that. By putting all that aside and just focusing on the problem and, not, and, and focusing on the solution and our shared you know, problem and our, our shared wish rather than focusing on our differences. Uh, that's, that's, it's a great model for this, this work that, uh, that we as humans have to do.
0: Just to piggyback on that real quick, for many, many years, one of my favorite, favorite people throughout my recovery has been someone who's completely different than me. She's a woman. She's very conservative. she da 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 It goes on and on and on. <clears throat> but whenever, and because my thinking is, is boneheaded a lot of times, whenever I've, I'm like at a loss about a particular topic, I'll consult Margaret because she thinks about things completely differently than I do. <laughs> right. And I'll and a lot of times I get a really good idea from her. Yeah. Because I'm stuck. My thinking is stuck. And so she might have she might not be stuck on that topic. Uh-huh. And a lot of times she's not, like I said. Mm. And it, and that's the model you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Is being willing to take input from everyone
2: yeah. Yeah. And,
0: and utilize it. Yeah. And if you, if you set up, if you facilitate the opportunities for people to do that, then systems can change. Mm-hmm. And sustainability, that, that, that behavior that allows the present generation to have their needs met without... Jeopardizing the ability of future generations to meet their needs, yeah. then that that can occur, but without that willingness to sort of admit your boneheadedness yeah. and seek, you know, somebody else who might think, you know, maybe by the looks of them is giving you the clue that oh they're they're gonna they're gonna have a different idea yeah. and maybe it'll work. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Hmm. Well. Um. Much to think about. Um, well, let's let's just sit and uh, do a little m- more practiced close. Oh, coming back inside and just checking in with yourself now how how do you feel after this evening in the Buddhist practice we share, share the merit or share the benefit of whatever we've gained through our practice. In the 12-step world, we carry the message after our spiritual awakening. In this way, we see that both these traditions are pointing to the idea, maybe the fact, that we don't do this solely for ourselves or solely for our own benefit. Indeed, if we are going to change the world, we must change ourselves as well. As we change, the world changes, naturally. We can also contemplate and connect internally with our shared experience, feel our interconnection with all beings, our interconnection with the earth, our interconnection with the universe. We are part of all of that. Each breath we take in is part of the universe that we are being sustained by. As we cultivate wisdom, compassion, clarity, we become more useful for the world. We make wiser choices. We're able to give something valuable. May our practice together tonight be of benefit to ourselves and to all beings. May all beings live in harmony. May all beings live free from suffering. Thank you for staying with me through this (coughs) free-ranging evening. I am supported by your donations in the baskets outside, so I appreciate whatever you can give. My books are also available back there, and I hope I will see you on Earth Day.